You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner to English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, number 266, the first of three volumes in that number, entitled From the Esoteric School, Esoteric Lessons, 1904-1909 to by Rudolf Steiner, translated by James H. Hines. I'm beginning the uh, lessons that occurred in 1906. I will read a few uh, per section here, depending on their length. First one is Esoteric Lesson from Cologne, February 12th, 1906, manuscript from Mathilde Scholl. John the Baptist proclaimed Christ Jesus in the middle of the fourth sub-race, but the individuality of the Master Jesus is leading humanity from the fifth to the sixth sub-race, again to John the Baptist, the waterman. Christ Jesus is the living word. All the beings of nature stream together in the human being and create in him the Word, that is, the I capital in the human being, Jesus Christ. Human beings become Christ when they experience inwardly that the whole world flows together in them, is one with them. The time when Christ first appeared among human beings was the time when he was the first among humankind to present the I in his incarnation. That was the seed, from which all self-consciousness, I-consciousness, everything personal, sprang forth. However, he gave his I back to the world. In so doing, he showed people the path to self-renunciation. At the last judgment, when everyone will resurrect, then it will be seen if the human being has brought the I only as far as egotism or to the renunciation of the self. Then the separation between human beings will take place. For those who have evolved up to selflessness, their resurrection, reawakening in the I, will contain seeds of a future humanity. That will be the sixth sub-race, from which the sixth root race will descend. Those who have brought their I only as far as egotism will not experience a true resurrection. They will have the seed of death within them and will become the seventh sub-race, which will evolve into a kingdom of evil and will become slag. That is the straw that is thrown into the fire. The sixth sub-race is the wheat from which something new can sprout. This separation is now being prepared. Through the principle of brotherly love, the representative of which is the Master Jesus, the coming together of humanity into the sixth sub-race is brought about, which will grow into the future based on this principle of brotherly love. When the sixth sub-race achieves perfection, then the word Christ will be not only in 
a single individuality, but in everyone, and the individual human beings then create together the letters of this word, the new Christ, who is the resurrected one in an entirely different sense. As an I, his life descended into humankind already in the third root race. Fully developed he arises then in the sixth root race, in the totality of humankind. That is the end of that esoteric lesson. This is the next esoteric lesson given in Hamburg on March 3, 1906. The author of the manuscript is unknown. Aside, although this manuscript is characterized as an esoteric lesson, it probably represents notes from a lecture held for members, which Rudolf Steiner held on this day in Hamburg, for which otherwise there is no record. End of aside. Those who wish to become esotericists in the theosophical sense must school their thought life so that every thought is sufficiently thought through. Shallow thinking is characteristic of materialists. The theosophical thinker must not fall prey to this lazy kind of thinking. Consider the thought of the social democrat. Change external circumstances and people will have improved lives and social conditions of work. The faith of materialism, short and deluded. This faith is paralyzing in the highest degree for any consideration of the real social life. How can theosophists free themselves from this materialistic belief that existence, yes, even morality would be improved if one would only improve the external circumstances? Let us begin by reflecting on the fact that every change must be brought about by human beings and that accordingly every condition produced in the social order results from human thoughts and human feelings. With this thought firmly in hand, we can free ourselves from the materialistic view that everything is brought about by external circumstances. You must come to experience such facts. You must also experience how faith in the idea that human beings are a product of external circumstances works to paralyze. The next step to be carried out by the budding esotericist is collecting proof of how the world is not improved by bringing about better external circumstances. One does not need to go very far in order to get sufficient evidence, since utopians are crying out everywhere in the world that one need only improve external circumstances. It is not easy to follow the thoughts of these utopians and not allow oneself to become paralyzed. Now one is prepared to think further. The following thought is this. Is it a matter of indifference whether a good person or an evil person thinks and feels about improving the world? Theosophy tells us that the social order is created by people and that it is the consequence of human thoughts and human feelings. Therefore, human thoughts and human feelings are to be cultivated, not change the social order. What does a genuine social democrat do if he or she wants to change something? 
change the law so that naive people are not exploited by this or that person. Check, in every individual case, how a law comes into existence. The social democrat does not want to teach humankind, that is, to purify and to cultivate its thoughts, to ennoble its feelings, to create a humankind that is competent and not naive, that can decide for itself what it wants to do. The esotericist asks, How does this circumstance come about, which is worthy of change? And if the condition is not imposed by nature, then he or she recognizes that the circumstance has been created by the thoughts and will impulses of human beings who lived before. Circumstances are as they are because people with insufficient thought and insufficient feeling have made them that way. If social democrats, as the most radical social theoreticians, want to create new circumstances, these circumstances will be just as inadequate as the previous ones, because they are drawing on the same insufficient thoughts and insufficient feelings as those who came before them and brought about these conditions. What does spiritual science want? It wants to bring about a mighty education of our innermost powers of soul, so that the social circumstances of life are formed from other thoughts and other feelings. This means nothing other than spiritual science does not have a recipe for how any particular problem should be solved in any particular situation. It does not prescribe any judgments for anyone, but rather has unconditional faith that people themselves will arrive at the right decision if they are permeated with the basic truths. I will write such a sentence from the basic truths for you. Need. Misery and suffering are nothing other than the consequence of egotism. This is to be understood as a law of nature. However, this sentence is not to be understood as necessarily applying to a single individual person. It can appear at an entirely different location. Here, too, it is important not to think too shallowly, but rather to go around such a sentence in a wide compass. Publicly, I have already said that people are already living under the principle of egotism as soon as they live under the principle, quote, I must be personally rewarded. For the work I accomplish, I must be paid, close quote. Or hidden egotism, quote, you must be personally rewarded for the work that you do must also be paid. You must also be paid, close quote. Or hidden egotism, quote, you must be personally rewarded for the work that you do, you must also be paid. Close quote. The esotericist must now also think about whether his or her work is really what sustains him or her in life. Work as such has no significance at all, unless it is wisely guided. Only through the human wisdom that has been put into the work is it possible to produce and create what serves people. Those who do not understand this, and sin even in the least against it, sin against the social thinking of our time. Thinking this through, in all its possible phases, makes thinking strong. 
those like the Social Democrats who reflect on how one creates work in order to eliminate unemployment, such people think unsocially in the highest degree. Much more important is that work be used for people exclusively to produce valuable goods. With this we come to the ancient rule of all esotericism. In a social context, the initiative to work must never lie in the individual human being, but rather simply and solely in devotion to the whole. From this we see that the true social progress is only possible when the work that I accomplish I do in the service of the whole. In other words, my work must not serve me myself. Social progress depends on the recognition of this sentence, that people should not want the results of their work in the form of personal pay. As long as social democrats cause the workforce to think that people must claim full payment for their work, humankind will arrive at worse and worse situations. Spiritual science must develop the opposite out of feeling and thinking. People must not want to have anything for themselves as a result of their work. A person owes work to society. People must limit their existence simply and purely to what society bestows on them. But the complementary thought to such social thinking must also be followed exactly. You know the example of the seamstress who works for minimal pay. And the social democrats then convince the people, quote, you are being exploited, close quote. The seamstress then goes to purchase an inexpensive dress in order to go dancing on Saturday. She demands an inexpensive dress. But why is the dress inexpensive? Because someone else's labor is being exploited. Ultimately, then, who is exploiting this labor? Quite certainly the seamstress who wears an inexpensive dress to the dance on Saturday. Those who can think clearly here are already free from the distinction between rich and poor, for this has nothing to do with wealth and poverty. Therefore the foundation must first be created so that in the future people work with diligence and devotion without thinking of their own personal profit. Imagine that some people discovered a medication and immediately had it patented. What does this show? It shows that they were thinking of their own personal profit and were not at all guided to the creation of this medication by love, that they were not at all filled with love for all of humanity. For if people's health were the most important thing to them, then they would be happy if others also produced the medication in order to serve humankind. Indeed, they would fervently desire that the contents of the medication and how it is made become known. And yet something else would happen. They would be convinced that their medication produced with their attitude toward humanity would be the best. And here we have arrived at an important rule that plays a great role in esotericism. Means must be produced by which the soul is ennobled. Those who use their thinking to serve for blessing progress must above all use their power of thought so that human beings are ennobled. With this we have now to, ch to close with a Rosicrucian verse. Quote, From the power that binds all beings, 
that human being is freed who overcomes him or herself. Close quote. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Berlin on April 13, 1906. Manuscripts are from Matilda Scholl, Lilla Harris, Anna Weissmann, and Unknown. Everything physical around us comes into being and passes away. Only the archetypes of things do not come into being or pass away. They are not created and do not pass away. They are eternal. The physical world comes into being and passes away, but the archetype of the earth does not. The archetype of the earth is eternal, and all other archetypes of the physical world are contained within the archetype of the earth. Just like the archetype of the earth, they do not come into being or pass away. They are eternal. Just as the earth has its eternal archetype, so too does every mineral, every plant, every animal, every human being have its own, which in eternity shines with beauty and majesty. We must learn more and more to unite ourselves with the archetypes of things. We must ascend to them. We learn how to unite with them through living with our memory. When esoteric pupils review in reverse the events of the day just past and remember the scenes of the day, the joy and pain connected with the experiences of the day, when they let the happy and painful events of the day pass again through their souls in memory, then they are putting themselves in contact with the life that endures, the life that is still present even without the physical world. With our imagination, we must call back the events in our own lives and the lives of others and let the joy and pain that were connected with the events of the day flood through our souls. In this way we learn to ascend to the beings that incarnate in joy and pain and learn to live consciously in the soul world. We are constantly surrounded by such beings. Then we learn to perceive them. It means something different whether we attempt to call into our memory experiences from our past in which we were actually present or whether we think back on events we have only heard or read about. The difference is this, that we were present in the former with ourself and that is what it depends on. It is good when we practice calling up experiences from our past into our memory. Pain or joy that we once experienced looks very different in memory than it did back then in the present. Through this calling up of memories, we are approaching true knowledge. We see things as they really are when we can manage truly to feel a pain or a joy that we don't have. When we are capable of picturing things in our minds, things which we do not see, then we are approaching the creating divinity. Such things were taught to the pupils in Rosicrucian schools. Voluntarily, they let pass through their souls the pleasure and pain connected with earlier events of their lives. But now, 
without brutal reality. If you allow pleasure and pain to rise up in the soul in this way, then you are awakening organs of the soul. For those who were not yet able to do this, the initiates were shown dramatic pictures to awaken the organs of the soul, scenes from human life, through which they could learn to feel what was otherwise associated with the events without their brutal reality. That is what remained of the events that had occurred in the world. Human beings must learn to lift themselves up to this ability. Human beings will remember earlier earth lives to the extent that they have learned to recognize the eternal in things and to the extent that they themselves bring the eternal into the world. The pupil of yoga does breath exercises. The breathing of the usual person is irregular, arrhythmic. Yoga disciples learn to bring their breathing into rhythm. Arrhythmic breathing is actually a killing. Through the breath that we breathe out, we kill. We bring death to ourselves and other living beings as long as the breath is not rhythmical and full of life through yoga exercises. Through rhythmical breathing, our breathing becomes individual. Among savages, even actions are little individualized. The higher a human being climbs in evolution, the more his or her actions carry an individual imprint. But to begin with, the breath is also the same for all developed people. Now, we must learn to individualize our breath. In this way, we ourselves are working through the breathing process more and more into our environment in a characteristic fashion. As much as we weave of ourselves into our environment through our breathing, that much will remain behind as eternal, imperishable. That much will we find of ourselves in all succeeding incarnations. Through a rhythmic breathing process we transform the world around us and become, therefore, a co-worker in cosmic processes. We are co-creators on the earth. While the breath of an ordinary human being kills, the breath of a purified person brings life to the surrounding world. The air in cities is not only worse because it is dirtied by all kinds of physical influences, but also because people's arrhythmic, unpurified breath ruins the air. The air in the cities is full of poison because of human immorality. The air is purer in the country than in the cities. People there lead a simpler, rhythmical life in great quiet. While people in cities are filled with thoughts of a thousand things that flood through their lives arrhythmically, the people living in the country become accustomed to adjusting their lives to the rhythmical course of nature, to coming into being and passing away, to the rhythm of the seasons of the year. Rhythmically, every year, in connection with nature, they undertake certain work at certain times, and carry it out in much greater correlation with the cosmic order than city dwellers, who completely ignore this cosmic order 
of world laws. Through this rhythmic self-insertion into the course of the world's life, those who live in the country bring a rhythmic element also into their lives. Through such rhythm, even the air they breathe out becomes more rhythmical, purer and better. Plants send out pure air. They are pure, without desire, selfless. For this reason it feels good to be in the plant world. It sends forth life. But ordinary human beings bring death to the surrounding world with their breath. They must transform their breath through a pure, moral, selfless life into a pure and life-filled breath. And through yoga exercises, they must bring it into rhythm. Then they must learn to let their individuality stream into their breath, to imprint it into the world. In this way, it gives the world life. Through continued training of this sort, yogis learn to hover above the physical, to set themselves into the eternal. In this way, they ascend to the eternal, imperishable archetypes of things, which do not come into being and do not pass away. They also unite with their own archetype. The human being comes into being and passes away physically, but there is an archetype for every human being. It is eternal. If yogis have learned to unite with the archetypes, then they have ascended into the eternal world of the spirit. They hover above the transitory. That is the state concerning which it is said that the yogi then rests between the wings of the great bird, the swan, the aum. The aum is the transition from the earthly reflection of something back to the archetype, a rising into the imperishable. This ascent to the eternal, this uniting with the archetypes, is also expressed in the mantra from the Upanishad. I'm going to attempt this uh, reading. Yasmej yetam yagat sarvam yasmin eva prilayet yenadam derayet sarvam tasmai janetatmana nama. Apologies. End quote. This is what also lies in the Easter thought. It is the resurrection of the human being from the adherence to the transitory and material world into the eternal regions of the archetypes. Nature serves as an example of this. Around Easter, new life is sprouting forth out of the earth after the seed has sacrificed itself and is rotting in the earth in order to give new life the possibility to arise. So, too, everything lowly in the human being must die out. We must sacrifice our lower nature so that we can raise ourselves to eternal archetypes of things. For this reason, Christendom also celebrates the death and resurrection of the Savior in this time of awakening in nature out of winter's sleep. The human being must first die in order to experience the resurrection in the spirit. Only those who overcome their love for the transitory can themselves become immortal. 
like the eternal archetypes, they can rest between the wings of the great bird, Aum. Then they can cooperate in the progress of the world. They join in the work of transforming the world for a future existence. They then work in a magical way out of their innermost being into the world. Quote, archetypal self from which we have come forth. Archetypal self who lives in all things. To you, our higher self, we return again. That's the end of that esoteric lesson. Next esoteric lesson is from Berlin, April 18, 1906. Record A is manuscripts from Matilda Scholl, Lilla Harris, Anna Weissmann, Eugenie Bredow. Record B are notes from Matilda Hoya. Record C, note from Marie Steiner, archive number 377. Record A. A worthy introduction to today's lesson is the verse that we already used the last time, the content of which in English would be conveyed as follows. Archetypal self from which we have come forth. Archetypal self who lives in all things. To you, our higher self, we return again. The verse itself is, readers aside, I'm going to try this one more time, quote, Yasmej yetam yagatsarvam, yasmaneva pralayat, yenadam deryet sarvam tasmai jenenet mana, nama. Close quote. We add to this the verse that expresses how this archetypal self works on people, how it appears to people. In English it is expressed in the form, quote, truth, wisdom, immeasurability, O God, blessedness, eternity, beauty, peace, blessing, indivisibility, on me, Aum, peace, peace, peace. Close quote. In the first part, the essence of the higher self is expressed, and at the conclusion, the way this higher self descends into the soul. The formula in Sanskrit is satyam yenenam anantam brahma anandarupam amritam bipharta shantam shivam Advaitam Om Shanti 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 Close quote. Everything has come forth from this higher self. Not only the soul of the human being comes from this archetypal self, but everything we find around us in the world, also the human body. We must get it out of our heads that there is anything in the world that is inferior or inconsequential. Nothing is inconsequential. Nothing is lowly. Everything is divine. Even a grain of sand is something divine, a form that has come forth from God. We see in minerals God's thoughts that have become form. Thoughts of God's come to expression in all mineral forms in the world. In addition to form, 
God also formed life into the plants. Divine life lives in every plant. In addition to life, God poured sensation and feelings into the animal world and into the form of human beings and their lower soul. Everything around us is an expression of divine power. The most perfect of all that God created for the human being is the body. The body of the human being is the most perfect form created by God. It is a tool through which the human soul looks out into the world. The human body is equipped in a wonderful way. The human body should be a temple for the soul, but the soul is not yet perfect. It is just beginning to be developed. The human body makes no mistakes. It is the imperfect soul that is constantly making mistakes. Passions, instinctive drives and desires live in the soul and they use the body in order to satisfy these desires. However, just as there are senses in the body through which the soul looks out into the surrounding world, so too organs will be gradually formed in the soul that will constantly raise it up and make it more perfect. In the animal kingdom we find powerful instinct drives that are not connected to the senses. If we were to bring an exotic pair of butterflies to Germany and set the male free, perhaps in Frankfurt, and the female perhaps in Magdeburg, then the pair would unfailingly find one another. Finding one another was made possible through special organs that are even more delicate than sense organs. People who belong together also find one another through sense organs of the soul. When we meet a person for the first time, someone we did not know until then, and feel a great sympathy for that person at first encounter, such as can happen between a man and a woman and between friends, that is a sign that these people belong together and that they have sense organs in their souls that announced to them this belonging together and then brought them together. People will increasingly develop such psychic organs, especially if they purify their astral bodies and ennoble their other bodies. In order to do this, it is absolutely necessary that they take into consideration which foods are supportive or detrimental for this higher development. Not everyone can choose the nourishment that will correspond exactly to his or her needs for occult development. It is sometimes better to resign oneself to foregoing what benefits us inwardly. For this reason it is still nevertheless true that some foods have characteristics that do not serve a person. For higher development the human being must develop certain organs. Certain concentration exercises are used for this purpose in yoga meditation. When people concentrate on a point between the eyes at the root of the nose, concentrate with the thought, quote, I am, close quote, then they are developing the organ that we call the two-petaled lotus flower, and that makes them into an I capital. Animals cannot say I to themselves. Among all the beings we know in nature, only human beings 
can say I to themselves. When the prefrontal lobe of the brain was being placed in human beings, the organ of the eye was being placed in the head at the root of the nose. The eye lives there in human beings. But in animals the eye is not in the skull, but outside, in front of the head. It lives in the astral in animals. Thus, for example, all dogs have an eye in the astral realm. At the place where we have the organ of the eye, a red stream flows from the astral into the dog. And this eye expresses itself in a dog in the lower instincts. In a human being at this place, the eye streams outward. Now, it is not enough that the organ of the eye is developed in human beings. So that the higher self can stream into human beings, in order to make them into higher beings, another organ is required. It is found, if we drop a vertical line into the brain from the place above the middle point of the head, this organ is the pineal gland. Through the pineal gland, the human being comes into contact with the divine self in the world. A third, higher organ, the sixteen-petaled lotus flower, is found in the larynx. And a fourth organ, the twelve-petaled lotus flower, is in the region of the heart. In order for this organ to develop properly, human beings must choose their nourishment wisely. What is connected with the life processes of animals, milk and everything derived from it, as well as everything from plants that grows toward the sun, hence blossoms and fruits of plants that stretch toward the sun, are beneficial for inner development. The plant is an inverted human being. The plant is an inverted human being. When the sun was still united with the earth, the plants with their blossoms were stuck into the sun and their roots were sticking outside the sun. After the sun left the earth, the plants turned around and now stick their roots into the earth and stretch their reproductive organs, calyx, blossom, stamen, and pistil, toward the sun. Animals are half-inverted plants, but human beings represent the entirely inverted plant, since all the organs that the plant turns to the sun are turned away from the sun. The root of the human beings is turned toward the sun, the head, the brain. Plant, animal, and human together create a cross. There's our pictures there to see. All the parts of the plant that are turned away from the sun, for example, the roots that grow under the earth, are not good for occult development, whereas everything that grows upward is good for the human being. But the best is the tree and grain fruits that can be gathered without destroying the plants. For special reasons, leguminous fruits are harmful, especially peas and beans. Milk is beneficial for human beings because it is connected with the animal's life process and is given up by the animal voluntarily. All nourishment from animals that must be obtained by humans through violence, by killing the animal, is detrimental to occult development. From the mineral kingdom, all things that precipitate from mineral solutions, for example all salts, 
are detrimental to occult development. They should be avoided as much as possible. When human beings prepare themselves through a selfless life and purification of their bodies, then the higher self can enter into them. It is not enough to turn inward and sink into deep meditation. To begin with, the higher self is not in the human being, but rather outside, in nature, and with our elder brothers, the masters and leaders of humankind. From there it must enter into human beings. Then the peace that is higher than all reason can overcome them. The following verses contained connected to this, Satyam Jnanam Anantam Brahma, Truth, Wisdom, Immeasurability, O God. End of record C. This is an excerpt of record B. Quote, Archetypal self from which we have come forth. Archetypal self who lives in all things. To you, our higher self, we return again. Close quote from the Upanishads. The way this archetypal self works on the human being is expressed in the verse, quote, Truth, wisdom, immeasurability, O God. Blessedness, eternity, beauty, peace, blessing, indivisibility, advaitam, on me, peace, peace, peace. Close quote. The essence of the Trinity itself is expressed in the first part, and at the end, the way this Trinity descends into the soul of the human being. Mantra quote. Archetypal self from which we have come forth. Archetypal self to whom everything returns. Archetypal self who lives in me. To you I strive. Aum. Peace, peace, peace. Aum. Close quote. Parentheses. Aum equals vocalization for a defense against evil influences. Close parentheses. Everything has come forth from this archetypal self. Not only the soul and spirit of the human being come from this archetypal self of the world, but also everything that is all around us in the world. Our human body also originates in this archetypal self. There's a break and then continues. So that God can enter into us, we find an organ. If we draw a vertical line from the middle point of the head through the brain and another line horizontal from the eye point at the root of the nose backward, where these two lines cross, we find the pineal gland. The human being comes into contact with God himself through this organ. A third organ of knowledge is found in the larynx. When the sun was still united with the earth, today's plants were set into the earth with their blossoms in the sun-earth. They were turned around when the sun departed from the earth and now stretch out their reproductive organs, their blossoms, chaste and pure, toward the sun. The root of human beings is their brain, which is turned toward the sun, while their sexual organs are turned toward the earth and away from the sun. In between is the congestion of the animal, human down arrow, plant up arrow, and the animal horizontal arrow on both sides create together a cross. Wisdom of the sun is a circle. Humans should bring forth out of the forces of their soul 
which are the forces that are in the plant kingdom. These forces are also seen in the symbol of the Holy Grail, as the forces the developed human being is to bring forth. In order to achieve this, they must allow the plant kingdom in them to become active. Everything that grows under the earth is not good for the occult development of humans. Everything in the plant that grows upward and contains the power of the sun is good for people who want to undertake an occult development. The end of record B. A very short piece of record C. Quote, Archetypal will, archetypal wisdom, archetypal space, God, archetypal blessedness, indivisibility, archetypal ground of beauty, source of peace, spring of calmness, singularity. That is the end of that esoteric lesson and the end of this section.